pursue to the fullest what aspect of herbalism is calling to you is that wild crafting is it being that procurement person there's just so many there's so many is that clinical herbalism is it gardening herb farming there's just so many different routes it's just what is calling you and experiment my teacher howie brownstein says you are an herbalist when your community comes to see you as an herbalist mm. you know what i mean like yes. when people start getting it's essentially a reputational thing is your community coming to you? Word of mouth spreads. Welcome to the Wild Herbs Podcast, where we unpack and uncover the healing properties of wild herbs so you can heal naturally with the plants beneath your feet. I am your host, April Puncelon, wild untamed plant lady, also a botanist and ethnobotanist and herbalist dedicated to teaching you how to heal with plants. If you want to learn edible and medicinal plants, you are in the right place, my friend. Registration for Medical Botany One is open right now. You don't want to miss this course. If you want to deepen your herbalism knowledge, I'm going to be covering many ancestral plant families, their botany and medicinal properties, and the course is 50% off this year. So grab your discount and join me for Medical Botany One. So I'm super excited today because I'm interviewing Mason Hutchinson, and he's the founder of Herb Rally, an herbal community hub that promotes herbalism, education, and events. And you definitely need to know about Herb Rally, and what a better way than to hear from the founder, co-founder of Herb Rally. He's also the host of Herbalist Hour, a podcast, and a YouTube series where he is posting new interviews each week from a diverse array of plant people. So this is your go-to place to learn new teachers. Mason is a husband, a proud father, an avid chess player, basketball and ping pong player, right on, yeah, yeah. spring water gatherer, I love that, and an enthusiast in the art of frugal nutrition, right. right on. But thank you so much, Mason, for coming and being on the Wild Herb Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, April. And I don't remember which episode you were on, but you were also on the Herbalist Hour, which was a hoot. Yeah, that was fun. That was good. Amanda said that was one me. of her all-time favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. that's really her. Thank I remember you. we were Thank out you, gar Amanda. gardening, listening to it together. She's April's just so cool. Oh, <laughs> tell her I said thank you. I will. I, I was thinking about what to ask you because I feel like you have this just this well-steeped infusion of herbalism so i just wanted to know like when did herbalism become your jam when did it become your life purpose totally yeah i would say i was probably in my early 20s i was just getting into nutrition by way of mm -hmm. learning that the way the things that you eat have a direct effect on your mental state i've always struggled with depression and just general low mood and whatnot. And growing up on the standard American diet, it was a revelation for me to find out that what you put in your body actually has a direct influence on how you think and how you feel. Beginning to have a passion for nutrition in my late teens. And then that kind of segued into learning about traditional Chinese medicine. I remember when adaptogens were all the rage. And so, yeah, I was getting really into TCM, Ayurveda. And uh, yeah, it was just a uh, subsect of getting into nutrition is when I first started getting into herbalism. Nice. So what was your, when you realized that food had an impact on your mind, what was the food? What was the main thing that you were eating that you noticed 
that you felt better? That's really good question. And no one's asked me that before. So I'll have to think about this. But I would say what happened first was, you know, I was a budding hippie. And I learned <laughs> about organic food. You know, I would say I ate like a lot of fast food, probably like candy, junk food growing up. And then I slowly transitioned to organic food. And I would say probably I tried making even though I didn't have a very good income, I would say I would still try to make as I put a lot of emphasis on spending money on high quality food. So organic, mm. this and that. And then I transitioned to I learned about I'm just disclaimer, I'm not a vegetarian anymore. But I do think that this phase was incredibly important for me in my transition. I then went into organic vegetarianism. And then I went to veganism. And then I started experimenting with fruitarianism. So I think that what I was doing, or I guess instinctually was doing was I was quote unquote, cleansing my body over the course of several years. I started fasting a lot. Again, this isn't like medical advice, do your own thing. But what I was doing was I was just immersing myself fully into just like a, a more quote unquote, natural way of living. And then I slowly reintroduced organic meats and stuff into my life. And, and I would say now that I'm almost 40 years old, I have a much more 80, 20, like balanced approach. I try not to be mm. too dog dogmatic about the way I see nutrition or anything like that. But yeah, early on, it was, it was just the diving headfirst into organic vegetarianism definitely played a, a large role in, in my transition as well. So I'm very th thankful for that, if that answers your question. Yeah. And so when you went from vegetarian to vegan, did you notice a difference in the amount of energy you had? Did you notice yeah, a difference you, in your body? I would definitely say so. I would say my weight was getting probably a little too low for mm. how I'd prefer to be. But yeah, definitely as I was progressing further and further, I did feel more and more energized in that moment in time for sure. And was there an herb that you, that kind of really had an impact on you that you're like, yeah, okay, these herbs work and I want to study them like oh, either yeah. through Chinese medicine or, and when you were first starting out. I do. So also going back to my late teens, early twenties, I remember at a party one time, there was this kid and he said, it must've been springtime because a dandelion was popping out of our yard. And he said, do you know, you can eat that. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like totally blew my mind. I was like, really? That's not from a grocery store. So we nibbled on some leaves. And I wonder if that was where some of the spark for my herbalism came mm. later on. But yeah, experiencing eating a wild food was definitely transformational. I can't say that at that moment of time, I made that like a habit, but it definitely changed the paradigm, the way I saw the world and the way I saw food. But yeah, one of, there was a several herbs that I started taking in my early twenties when I first started getting traditional Chinese medicine, I would say Hoshu Wu, AKA Fo mm. Tea. That's how Mountain Rose Herb sells it as Fo Tea. But wow. I always learned it as Hoshu Wu, goji berries, astragalus. I remember we would take Romania. Um, mm. Yeah, those were all like really influential. And I definitely could feel the energy from those plants for sure. Do you still work with them? Uh, I do. Astragalus, I use quasi-frequently. They definitely go into my broths. Um, I'll mm. make an, a decoction out of them sometimes. I did just recently buy two pounds of faux tea from Mountain Rose Herbs, and I'm I keep forgetting that it's in my cabin. I was like, I'm going to get back into faux tea. <laughs> what is faux tea? Because is it a polygonum? Polygonum, that's right. Okay. Okay. Because I think I bought some one time. I don't know what kind of issue I was having. I think it was urinary and I yeah. bought some 
and I didn't, it was a supplement and I don't do really well with supplements. I need to touch the herb. I need to see the herb. Absolutely. And so I didn't take it still in my refrigerator, but it always polygonum. I feel like I could see how those roots are pretty powerful moving like energy and chi. Yeah. I want to say it was some sort of, and I'm not really trained in TCM, although it was like my gateway system to getting into herbalism. I want to say I was either like a Jing tonic or a Chi tonic or something like that. So adaptogen, just very nourishing. Nice. Yeah. So let's talk about Herb Rally because you formed this amazing, with the help of your wife, this amazing business that brings the herbal community together. When I was first starting out and Wild Herb Academy was your whole herbal school, I was so pleased to be able to put the name of the school. It made it feel more real that I could put the website on your website and, <laughs> and it was free. It was this free thing that I could do and to let people know that I'm in South Carolina. I, I want to touch on Mountain Reserves because you worked for Mountain Reserves for a long time, but what made you feel the need to start Herb Rally to, and bring the herbal community together? Yeah. So as you alluded to, I worked for Mountain Rose Herbs for 11 years and 10 of those years, I was their events organizer. And when I was working there, I thought it'd be interesting to find a website where they list all of the herbalism events that happen throughout the United States. And mm -hmm. so I found some websites here and there that would list the major conferences. I want to say maybe like American Herbalist Guild probably list, you know, some of the larger events or at least their events. Um, but I was looking for where are these like small little herb walks going on, these herb talks at the local library, that kind of thing, because I knew these were happening because they were happening in my community and I knew they were happening everywhere. So I couldn't find it a, a website like that. So I just thought, shoot, I guess I'll make one my myself. And I had this grandiose vision that it was going to be like this world map where it'd be 3D and you could like zoom in and it'd be like this perfect setup. And so I just held on to this idea forever. And then, and I was, I was like, I can't start with perfection in mind. So I'm just going to start by listing these out. And so it just it started there. And then it just essentially, it, it just started expanding. It was very important for me because I thought that there, if I wanted to know about these different plant walks, I have to imagine that other people want to know as well. So mm -hmm. I, I'll always remember when I was boothing in Portland, Oregon at the traditional Oh, shoot. I can't remember. A Portland plant medicine gathering. A couple came up to me to the Mountain Rose Herbs table and said, hey, Mason, we're here because we found out about the event through Herb Rally. And that just like, it made it all worth it for me. I was like, oh, people are using this website for its intended function. Definitely. Yeah. It's such a valuable resource. Yeah. And I love how you identified a need. Yeah. And then you filled that gap and you did it just, you didn't wait for it to be perfect. You just <laughs> And now it's beautiful. The website, when I first found y'all, it was beautiful. I don't know what it looked like <laughs> when you first started. Herb Rally has been going on now for eight years. Yeah, we started in May of 2015. Wow, yeah. that is amazing. And it had to be inspiring too, to see Mountain Rose Herbs and what they're doing and working for them for 11 years. I'm sure you learned a lot. Absolutely. From working with them. What do you think you learned from them that really helped you with herb rally. Honestly, like it was the position that I had was the herbal community liaison. And I, mm. so I knew everything about, not everything. I knew a lot about the events that were going on in the community. They definitely helped immerse myself into the herbal community at large. Like 
Uh, I was in charge of the herbal educator program. I went to all these different events throughout the 10 years. You know, they would fly me to all these various events and I would get to hang out with the herbalists in person at the events, at this or that event. When I first started, I was in customer service for the first, I want to say 11 months. And then I switched over to the, to the marketing department, uh, which is where I was organizing the events. And in that transition, we hosted an event called Rootstock, which is now an herbal lore, herbal history. Like it's no longer around. It was like a one-time event. And at that event, I got to meet 25 or so just incredible herbalists. And that was already like when my herbal fire was lit. And so I was just like getting to meet all of my favorite herbalists that I heard on, say, Herb Mentor Radio, hosted by John Gallagher back in the day. And then just to add on to that, then I had the events job and I started flying all over the country and hanging out with these herbalists even more. There's just, there's the more I'm in this and the longer I'm doing this, I'm realizing there's an herbalist in every pocket of the world, especially mm-hmm. if they're not online. There's so many herbalists that aren't even on the internet. You know what I mean? Yes. So. A lot. It's probably yeah. some of the best ones, right? Because they're real. not going <laughs> to be distracted with the internet. Right. You get more time to connect with the plants through working with all these different herbalists. How do you think the herbal community is doing now, staying connected? Do you think we're pretty connected or do you think we got some work to do? Yeah, the internet, I would say, has definitely made us connected. And I would say, I have this, and this is probably just my own, for my own self, like preservation, but I have this abundance mindset. I think there's enough to go around for everybody. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's naive, but optimism fuels my happiness. Like, it's like a, it's good for my life to remain optimistic. Whereas some people might see, oh, there's another herb school that's going to affect my bottom line. I think that herbalism is consistently becoming more and more popular, which is an amazing thing on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, I think there's always more room. And you know what, sometimes our elder herbalists retire and we make room for, for new herbalists and herbal schools and whatnot. So Yeah, I would say overall, we're becoming more and more connected. And that really is one of Herb Rally's goals is to, like you have a podcast now, April, which Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for. That's so rad. I was listening to your interview with Corey Ponchain earlier today. That's, that's, that was fun. I I love Blue Vervain, which he was talking about. But like my goal with the Herbalist Hour is I say jokingly or exaggeratively, I want to interview every herbalist on the planet, Mm -hmm. which will take a long time. I just want to continuously show the world how many people there are doing this incredible work. And uh, yeah, this it's definitely my mission. It's inspiring. It's definitely inspiring. And, and we need Herb Rally really bad because I feel like there's so many people that want to learn herbalism, but some of us botanists, herbalists, ethnobotanists, we're not marketers. You right. know? And it can be really hard for us to get the word out where I feel like Mountain Rose Herbs has done a phenomenal job. The elderberry product, whoever started promoting that, that got out and everybody wanted elderberry, but there's 50 other wild herbs that we could forage. But anyway, the marketing is huge. And so I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. Why Mountain Rose Herbs, do you feel like they were, they have been so successful because they've been really good at marketing? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, 100%. And I'll say this, I know Sean Donnell, he's the current sole owner of Mountain Rose Herbs, and he's been on the Herbalist Hour as well. And he, I would say he probably attributes most of the success of Mountain Rose Herbs to their marketing efforts. Like he, I remember right before I left, it's when he transitioned to being full-time owner. And it was an exciting time for us because he was back on campus all the time. 
And I swear, like we would have weekly marketing meetings and they would last three hours long because Sean was, Sean loved being in the marketing department and he was so full of ideas and it was just so fun for him. So yeah, Mountain Rose Herbs puts a lot of emphasis on their marketing. Yes. Uh, they, they, at least when I was there, they probably had five full-time staff in the marketing department, including myself, and then two or three creatives, AKA that's videography, photography, graphics, all that. Plus yeah, the director. So if you want to say that, that's probably like around eight-ish people that they're wow. investing in full-time in-house. So they're not, in other words, they're not outsourcing it to some other company to do their marketing for them. And they're doing paid ads. Like they have someone in there that knows how to run ads. Yeah, they've got paid ads. They've got content marketing, which I'm bullish on. I think content marketing is definitely a, a great way to go. And I think Mountain Reserves does that really well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Their pictures are beautiful. And so, Absolutely. yeah, everybody wants to look at that. So right. <laughs> kudos to Mountain Reserves. And how cool is that, that you were able to work with them and see, because you told me when you first started, they had 110 employees. And when you transitioned to Herb Rally full-time, 250 employees. Right. Yeah. And I'm still just one one woman show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I upgraded to two people for Herb Rally, but I had to marry someone to do it. Yeah, I, I would like to upgrade to two. I'm always like, still, <laughs> even though I edit the podcast. But anyway, we'll get there. So when you, you have this amazing business and you're really giving us this wonderful resource. And so for you listening, I highly recommend going to Herb Rally after this podcast is over, going to your respective state and see what's going on and give Herb Rally a shout out, share it on your Instagram page, because we need everyone to know about Herb Rally. And that's why I really wanted to interview you. I'm wondering, I'm a science geek and I like to look at gaps in knowledge. Do you see a gap? And the herbalism knowledge or somewhere. So for an herbalist that's coming in and need, because you identified a need and you were able to fill it. Do you see any other needs? And there other needs in the herbalist community. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. That is, that's a doozy. Let me marinate on it. All right. Okay. Yeah. You marinate yeah, on that yeah. one. So I feel like some of my listeners, a lot of the listeners may be beginning beginners yeah. and we all begin somewhere, right? We all start learning plants. And right now it's a critical time for people to learn plants because the food in the grocery store is getting so expensive. Yep. And I've heard that food security is at risk in the future. I don't know how far in the future, but I've heard that for sure. And our food's polluted. And there's so many reasons why people need to know herbalism and forage. And it's really part of being human. So as someone who's been doing herbalism for a really long time and you have your own business, Herb Rally, where do you recommend beginners start? If you, can you go back to when you first started in your twenties, teen, early twenties, what would you tell somebody, a listener that's just starting out? Oh, I love that question. Okay. So you probably start with buying a book. Okay. I would say start with buying a book. And it could be, there's so many books out there. I won't even say one. Sure. Go, okay. Go buy one of Rosemary Gladstar's book, because I feel like that's one of the recommendations that I hear most often. And plus Rosemary Gladstar is awesome. She's probably come up on your show before at some point. Someone's probably, if not, if you don't know, dear listener about Rosemary Gladstar, you got to go learn more about her. Yes, uh, for sure. So many amazing books, but I would say, yeah, start with a book. But more than that, what I did was. I think it's so important to go out and see these plants in person and we could talk about online school later on. I think there's a place for that, 
But if you could just start by going to a plant walk with an herbalist in your neck of the woods, as we like to say, like there is nothing like that. And it will get you so much more excited about it than I like the book because it's fun. You have it at your house and it's at your, like you could read it whenever you want, but like a plant walk, not only are you out there with the plants learning about them, but you're also learning from a, an extremely passionate, knowledgeable teacher who's getting you even more excited about it in your environment. But then after that, you're also surrounded by what, 10, 20 other people who are also plant curious. And so it creates this, just this ambiance of just everyone nerding out, looking at these little <laughs> flowers together and just getting really in the zone. You know what I mean? Like, I still remember, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, going on my first plant walk at Mount Pisgah in Eugene, Oregon with Keith Hess. Mm. And we spent what, two or three hours out there. And it's just, and the other funny thing about a plant walk is it's really more of a plant stand because you, you like stand for a 15, 20 minutes <laughs> period of time. And then you go like 20 feet and you do the same thing somewhere else. But yeah, just being out there in nature just really lights your fire. And then I would say beyond that, if you're able to afford it, because I know a lot of these apprenticeships are super expensive. If you're able to afford it, find a in-person school that you're able to go to at some point on your herbal journey. Because again, you're going to be out there just immersed in nature for hours on end, learning about your local plants. And yeah, I think to add to that, online school is a, a great way to have additional learning from lots of different teachers. And you know what? We live in the internet age, so take advantage of it. Plus, a lot of times, online learning is cheaper. So there's that. But but yeah, I would say definitely start with a book and definitely start with an in-person plant walk. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, April. I love that. That's fantastic advice. That's how I started was a book. I think it was Rodell's Herbal oh. Encyclopedia which I still use. I can't believe how amazing that book is. And then, yes, I've got two Rosemary Gladstar books, a local, if you can find a local wilder book, then you really are like going to be happy. And then, yeah, plant walk, hands down. And I remember a plant walk when you're like, I, I'm getting chills. I remember this plant walk. <laughs> and Eugene, I remember what I did with Frank Cook mm. and Asheville. And he was such this beautiful free spirit. He saved all the money from his plant walks and he traveled around the world. And I was just so intrigued by him. And he did, it was just all wild herbs. And we just went into the woods and the mountains. I think we were like in Pisgah National Forest. And that was Sierra Foley School. So that was a, it was a traditional herbalism certificate. I think it was 250 hours. And we met one week in a month for six months. And I loved it. And I did that when I was getting my undergrad. And it was just very, it was really nice. And then now, yes. Yeah, so now that I have that kind of backbone or like our foundation, now I can do these like more supplemental trainings online. And so, which yeah. brings me to my next question for an intermediate or an advanced herbalist, what do you recommend? What have you seen the schools that are out there? And do you think we have enough opportunities for advanced herbalists or that can do continuing ed? Yeah, absolutely. Just disclaimer, I'm not a clinical herbalist myself. So I would say I, I've done a couple different apprenticeships myself, but they were probably both more on the beginner inter intermediate side. But I will, for instance, my original teacher, Howie Brownstein at the Columbine School of Botanical Studies, I took his two-year, the Columbine's two-year apprenticeship, and then he offers a third year. 
And what you're doing there, if you're looking to become a clinical herbalist, if that's your path, what you do essentially is you go into the clinic with him, with clients, and you spend hours upon hours, not just studying, but actually shadowing as essentially like a, a job shadow to to learn the ways of the clinical herbalist. So if you're able to get some sort of internship or in-clinic hours with the herbalist that you're studying with, I think that's definitely the best way to go to get those really advanced trainings. Now, mm -hmm. again, we've brought up the internet a few times. I know people like, say, Erica Gallantin also has a clinical mentorship program where you're able to actually go in depth online via an online clinic and stuff like that. I know it's incredible. And I actually asked her about the efficacy of that. I said, do you think that it's important to be in person or online? And she said, I think that both can work for whatever you're trying to accomplish. Both can work. But I, if you have the ability to do in person, I think that you're going to see clues, especially if you do like tongue and pulse diagnostic, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Being in person could be really helpful and effective. But yeah, I would say definitely just spending as much time in the clinic with that particular herbalist is super helpful. That's great advice. That's really good advice. Yeah. Because there's so many pathways and what do you, so you brought up clinical herbalism. What do you see as the pathways in herbalism for someone who's listening yeah. and maybe they want to make it a career. Yeah. You know, maybe they want to make this a life mission. I know I did. It took me a while to find out and figure it out to how I could do it. And faith and just, you know, I want to say reckless abandonment. No. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> like, it requires that. Job. <laughs> totally. What do you see as the pathways or the different spokes of the wheel for herbalism in terms of a career? There's so many. And there's even so many when I worked at Mountain Reserves, for instance, I was the events person. But, and so many people when, would come up to me at herbalism events and conferences and stuff like that. And they'd say, Mason, you got the best job. And I had to agree with them. I really loved my job. But a lot of people that worked at Mountain Reserves, they were in the procurement department. So what they were doing is they were traveling the world and purchasing herbs to mm -hmm. sell at Mountain Reserves. I think a lot of people would view that as an incredibly amazing job as well. So just right there, that's two jobs just at this one company. I think more than anything, it's, and I could name a bunch of different ways about uh, having a professional career as an herbalist. I think clinical herbalist is like the cliche example, but I think what really matters the most is you just going deep inside and saying, where is your heart calling you to do? Because mm. April, you have carved your own path. And I have to presume it's because that's what your heart was telling you to do. I don't think you just randomly stumbled into it. You know what I mean? Like now you're, you're one of your things is teaching folks about the benefit of wild plants and the, the magic of wild plants and just wild plants are so important. And I love that. And I think that there's something that calls each of us. Mm. I, although I did think I used to want to be a registered dietitian, I thought that was my path for a little bit. I don't think at any point where I, when I was studying herbalism, I was like, I'm going to be a clinical herbalist, maybe super early on. But I feel as if you, when you go down the path, things start just appearing to you. Like this is where I want to go with it. And for me, I really wanted to share the community. Mm. I, and I knew that since listening to, again, like John Gallagher, Urbanter Radio, I was like, I love what he's doing. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of sharing what's happening in the herbal community. That was the most important thing to me. And I think I think it's really pursue to the fullest what aspect of herbalism is calling to you. Is that wildcrafting? 
Is it being that procurement person? There's just so many, there's so many, is that clinical herbalism? Is it gardening, herb farming? There's just so many different routes. It's just what is calling you and experiment. And you know what? You might be wrong the first time and just learn, <laughs> right? Like you might get it wrong, but learn, grow and iterate and change direction as need be. But if you're on the plant path, I think there's something that's going to be calling to you. That is such good advice. You're right. Because you just, if you have a spark, and obviously you do because you're listening to this podcast, right? <laughs> you may not know exactly where you're going to go. And it may just be because you really want to heal your family and your friends and your community, which I feel like everybody needs that. But it may be something that you can't stop doing. If you can't stop doing it and you're constantly looking at it and it's bringing you joy, then you follow that path. Because if not, then you're denying us all of something we need that special talent you have. If you would have stayed at Mountain Rose Herbs, you would have denied us of this opportunity right here and yeah, for yeah. this person listening right now. And so I do think it's important because I almost denied it. it. It was like a transition point. I had to step into fully what my spirit and heart was telling me. So that's really good advice. Keep going forward with what you love and then it will re reveal itself to you. That's so true. I never thought I'd be like, say, a medicine maker either. But Amanda and I recently, we just got this like strong itch to start like making medicine and maybe selling it at like just the local farmer's market. We, we don't want to create like an herbal brand, but we just we thought it'd be just fun based on our pure own creative spark to create like a few medicinal products and so that's like kind of in the stage where we're just brainstorming but yeah it's coming and i'm just like really excited just to do it just to fulfill that part of our like a uh, herbal path yeah creative outlet yeah creative outlet because i do think i think when you get to a point where you have you've been studying herbalism for a really long time 20 years you it's time now to do formulas it's time now to make your own medicine it's time to use your intuition and to craft things and i've definitely been feeling a call to do that especially the last couple of days i'm like oh it's time to make formulas because i feel like i have all the wild herbs and all their uses but i need to like hone in on these formulas that are wild herbs so i like that you are doing that that you guys are honoring that call to be creative and Use your knowledge to help people in the community. Exactly. Yeah, this isn't, oh, I want to start some herbal products business. This is literally just to scratch that itch. And to be honest, too, I want to see what kind of pretty labels Amanda can make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Amanda, you got a talent. Let's do this. Well, Amanda exactly. could do a label making class and I would sign up because I suck That'd be at cool. it, for lack All of right. a better word. I'm going to talk you, to her about that. <laughs> tell her, I, she will literally, I will sign up. It's funny because I have members and they'll post pictures on the Facebook community group. And I'm like, dang, look at those nice labels. And, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and I get this paper from Staples and I cut it and you want to use some packing <laughs> tape over it because it's going to bleed. And I'm, right. I was like, oh, because I just, I guess I'm simple. It's about the medicine. It's not about the label, but a pretty label does make people want to take the medicine more. Totally. Yeah. There's something about it. So a pretty label is important, especially when you're selling a product. I, I want to ask you something because I had someone email me the other day and they said, is your school accredited? Mm. And I feel like there's so many people that don't understand that there is no accreditation. You can get a certificate, but it's just like you took this training. It's not like you're a certified herbalist, like you can do with yoga teacher training. Yeah. So for herbalists starting out, can you explain how there is no certification 
for Herbalist in America, and then maybe you can share your opinion on sure. it. Sure. You have one. Yeah, I was explaining pre-call that, yeah, I could think one thing one day and then think the totally opposite thing the next day. But I'm on this subject, um, I'm currently of the opinion that I don't think that herbalists necessarily need to be accredited. I don't think mm -hmm. that you need a certification to be practicing herbalism of any sort, especially if you're going to the stereotypical how to become a master herbalist and then it's a, like a three-day course or something like that to me that's quasi laughable especially when there's do you know paul bergner april no okay oh you got to look into paul bergner's work paul yeah. bergner would be deemed an herbal elder he's amazing he's based in portland now he used to run the rocky mountain herbal school i want to say in, in denver if i'm getting that correct but long story short he has this tongue-in-cheek title to a class that he teaches. It used to be how to be a master herbalist in 20 years. Uh -huh. Then it was how to be a master herbalist in 30 years. And now he's all the way up to how to be a master herbalist in 50 years because he's 70 mm. years old and he's been practicing herbalism fit for 50 years. And I'm and he has constantly studied for the past 50 years and he still uses the word um master herbalist tongue in cheek because you're never necessarily a master. I want to say I will shout out the American Herbalist Guild. I They have something called the RHAHG. That's a registered herbalist under the American Herbalist Guild. I highly respect that nonprofit and what they're doing. You could get an RH certification through so many hours of study, but it doesn't have to be one particular branch of herbalism, which I think is beautiful. They're incredibly inclusive. You could be TCM, Ayurveda, Western herbalism, all the above. And all they're doing is they're testing your knowledge and seeing how many hours you have studied under another clinical herbalist. So I do think that there is some weight to having a, a RH if you're wanting to practice clinical herbalism, if that's your goal, um, although it's certainly not necessary, my teacher, Howie Brownstein, says you are an herbalist when your community comes to see you as an herbalist. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yes. when people start getting, it's essentially a reputational thing. Mm -hmm. Is your community coming to you? Word of mouth spreads. Maybe you have a website. I don't know. But I don't think you need a certification to become an herbalist. Some people really need that piece of paper to feel like they got the value out of that class that they're, they're taking. Mm -hmm. But me personally, April, you could easily have some sort of certification, but that's all it would be. It would just be that. It would. It's not. It doesn't announce anything other than that you took, you took that class. But funny enough, someone asked. So our membership area, the Herb Rally Schoolhouse, someone emailed me and say, "Hey, does this count towards?" the American Herbalist Guild Registered Herbalist Certification. And so I emailed Mimi Hernandez, who was the executive director. She actually just stepped down. She said, she said, yeah, as long as it's, as long as they're studying herbalism, it counts towards that, the RH. So April and whoever's listening or a member of your school, that would theoretically also count towards registered herbalist status. Although I'll say April, you should look into that yourself and yeah, just double check. Cool. But I will say, yeah, yeah it is self-study. It should, or you're teaching herbalism, so it should count towards it. So that I think bears some weight. But other than that, I guess those are my general thoughts on certification. I'd be curious what you have to say about it too. 
That, that was great. You did Thanks. a phenomenal job. I like what you said that you become an herbalist when the community starts to see you and you're never a master herbalist. And I couldn't agree more because I feel like the longer I study herbalism, the more I realize I still have to learn. And it takes so long to form connections with these plants and see how they interact with your body. But then that's just your body. And so I, I am really loving Ayurvedic medicine and I'm seeing that I'm, I did a little dabbling in Ayurvedic medicine and Tibetan medicine is very similar to Ayurvedic medicine. And I can imagine that you probably love those two as well, because you have this affinity to being a dietitian or yeah. studying that how important diet is. And so I feel like what I've noticed with herbalism is that people really have to get their diet right for mm -hmm. these herbs to truly help. Because if yeah. we don't get their diet, then the herbs are going to not work as well. And, and we want to get the herbs into the diet. And that's the great thing about wild herbs, right? Food is medicine. But anyway, so I'm seeing more herbalists studying Ayurvedic medicine, and I love that. And I don't know. I don't want to go off on a tangent on that, but sure. um, I think it gives us more freedom and it gives us different ways that we can diversify and be unique, right? And so we need more teachers. I feel like we need more people studying herbalism right now. And I, that's why I'm so happy we're doing this podcast because I want to inspire people. And I know you're inspiring the listeners to study herbalism more intensely if it calls to them, maybe make a, a life mission, a life purpose. Because I do think that we could use more schools, more teachers, more students, more clinical herbalists. We need to make it more, and I don't even like the word mainstream, but normal. Mm. Because I, right. I can't stand, I will say this, I can't stand the word alternative medicine. I know, right? It's the medicine. <laughs> yes. It's, no, pharmaceuticals are alternative medicine. And people are just getting really sick and they're struggling and I feel like the pharmaceutical company and our healthcare system is like a big mafia. And so I definitely do have strong opinions on that. So yeah, we need you listening. We definitely do. And so kudos to you or Mason for, and Amanda for Herb Rally, because no matter where you are listening, you can go to Herb Rally and you can see where you can learn. Can you tell us what is your favorite herb right now? Ooh, my favorite herb right now. I have been consuming a lot of uh, hawthorn leaf and flower infusion. So hawthorn, I'm going to nice. hawthorn. Yes. That, that's been my long time jam, but I'm re getting back into it. So yeah. Nice. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I'm over here with the hibiscus, but I like Ooh. it that you're with the hawthorn. My mouth just puckered when you said that word. <laughs> <laughs> it puts out the pit. It puts out the heat. Yeah. So you have, can you tell the listeners you're offering because you have the Herb Rally Schoolhouse. And so can you tell us a little bit about the schoolhouse and your membership? Thanks. Yeah, of, of course. So basically it is, it's a private member area. It costs $10 a month, but basically our goal with that is just to create a space on Herb Rally where it, we're constantly adding new classes to it. Really, honestly, I wanted to create an area where our Herb Rally fans could, if they wanted to give back, they could be members. Like, it's more like that. You know what I mean? There's so much free content on the internet. <laughs> so it's like, we have a 
ton we have like almost 400 videos on our youtube channel over 700 podcast wow. episodes on our podcast we've got 80 something monographs on our website like all that's for free so we're adding these classes we were doing it once a week now it's more like once or twice a month to the herb rally schoolhouse membership area and basically there's a, a bunch of classes inside of that membership area it's ten dollars a month but really we just wanted to create it as a way for people if they wanted to support herb rally that would be a way to do it and then they get something in return but yeah there's so many classes in there some of them are webinars some of them like we went and visited a uh, kyle denton in milwaukee and he did a bunch of plant walks with us so some of it's like very professionally created some of it's zoom interview type stuff where it's like uh, webinars there's herbal community discounts in there there's a facebook group because we still haven't managed to figure out a com community component that doesn't involve facebook which I would love to do that someday where it's like more of a outside of Facebook situation. But yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's Bunch of classes. Awesome. Yeah. And so you had Abby today. You said you were That's right. She so what did she teach your members? It was the she fundamentals of foraging. So oh. she talked about the safety a bunch of different plants you could forage, just all the above, anything that had to do with the fundamentals of foraging. So the, and especially that's one of her areas of expertise. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you bring in different people and have different classes. I heard on your podcast episode with Camille that you had a, was it 20, 20 page species monograph on calendula? Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually, I know it's wild. So that's actually not in the schoolhouse. That's available for anybody to read. If I'm just going off the dome, I think it's herbrally.com slash monographs slash calendula, maybe dash SP because it's a Sage Popham. Do you know Sage? No. Okay, so Sage Popham, he's the School of Evolutionary Herbalism. He's based in Washington. But yeah, he submitted this monograph to Herb Rally and it's 20 pages on Calendula. It's, That's it's awesome. over the top. Yeah. I've heard of his school, but yeah, I didn't know. One. Is it him and his wife? Yeah, Whitney. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to interview them one day. Oh, but anyhow, yeah, so what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you? Yeah, I would say sign up for the newsletter. Yes. <laughs> so yes, signing up for the newsletter is great. You could just go to herbalite.com. You might get one of those annoying pop-ups and then it'll say, you want these 13 herbal freebies? And then you just enter your email address. You sign up that way. We come out with, I don't know, one to three newsletters per week where we tell you about what's happening in the herbal community, primarily like new videos, new herbalism events, that kind of thing. Otherwise, we're at herb rally on basically all social platforms including tiktok which we have four wow. video we have four videos on there which i i know you're huge on tiktok april <laughs> oh you're not i'm oh, that... not done tiktok okay I'm just like, i can't do it i just can't I, bring myself to do it yet. i would say your videos would crush on there because they are crushing on instagram and it's essentially the same same type like you could just re-upload your instagram videos to tiktok and it, i guarantee you'd get like a hundred thousand followers in the next year i would think anyways that's besides the point. The main place I would like to send folks though is our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. We come out, we, in January, we came out with a new herbalism video every day. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it's nuts. And then typically though, we try to do Monday through Friday, new herbalism videos, and you could just find us at youtube.com slash C slash herb rally, or just, I think at herb rally, cause they have handles now. That is awesome. You could almost do a subscription to your YouTube channel. I know. It's crazy. It's all free too. Videos. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So definitely go and check that out. Go to YouTube and go to Herb Rally. What are some of your favorites? If someone goes to the YouTube channel, what are ones that people should definitely watch? Yeah. So a fun one. This just came to my head. 
do you remember vlogs? Do you know what a vlog is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're just like fun little lifestyle pieces. Me uh -huh. and Amanda actually documented our vlog driving from Wisconsin to Oregon, but we took the southern route and we visited, I want to say, seven or eight different herbalists along the way. So Whoa. it's just, yeah, so it's just like this fun little adventure that we went on. I um, love that. That's just really sweet. But I guess bringing Rosemary Gladstar up again, oh, episode 63 of the Herbalist Hour was recorded in person mm -hmm. at the Great Lakes Herb Fair. And that that is just a really fun and special video for me. So I think oh. if you want to check out a really great interview, check out episode 63 of the Herbalist Hour on the, on the um, YouTube channel. I'm going to watch that and I'll share it. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like you listening probably have such a good understanding now of how to get started on this herbalism journey, this plant journey that's so rewarding in many ways. And yeah, we'll never stop learning, will we? No, we won't. And you asked a question earlier, and I want to say it was, what does the herbal community need most right now? Was yeah. it something like that? Yes, it, something yeah. just went into my brain and I want to share it. Yeah. And, and I asked a similar question to people in a different herbalist in a series we used to host on our uh, YouTube channel. It was called Ask an Herbalist, a pretty original sounding that was pre me getting into interviews, but I would ask a similar question to that. And I actually asked Howie Brownstein, who was my original OG herbal mentor, and he was actually on the video of our, our vlog. But his answer just came to my head and I wanted to share it as well. And it basically, I don't want to speak for Howie, but this is my interpretation of it is I think what the herbal community needs most is a little more acceptance for each other's POVs and viewpoints. And I think that we do get along pretty well, but it, it's always saddens me and discourages me when there's infighting in the herbal community, just because I love the community so much. And I just want to see, I know it's probably overly optimistic to think that we should all just get along and everything, but I think for the most part, we all have really good intentions and I think we're all just trying to do really good work in the world. And I just wish there was a little more acceptance on occasion between various different points of view on these different ways of seeing herbalism and healing. That said, you know, if you're promoting dangerous practices or something like that, there, there's something to be said. But besides that point, the infighting and bickering that I see sometimes on social media is just bothersome to me personally. And I just wish I would see a little more acceptance in the herbal community. Definitely. Yeah. We need that because we're stronger together. Yeah. And it would be awesome. Maybe in a couple of years or something, maybe we can team up because I think it would be so fun to have schools like people that are doing schools and herbal businesses, just like a conference for us. <laughs> like, right. no, like not students, but then we could get together and be like, and just inspire each other and learn what's working, learn what's not working, find out what the gaps are, come together, because we could definitely probably do better things together, for sure. All right, let's spearhead it. Let's, let's do it. spearhead it, all right? <laughs> we can do it in Charleston, maybe the middle middle of the country. But yeah, like, like Wisconsin. Yeah, like Wisconsin. <laughs> I always went to a college in Wisconsin. But anyway, Good. I'm going to put a link to your 13 free freebies. Is there anything else that we can share with the listeners? That would be fantastic. That okay. I mean, that and maybe the YouTube channel. But other than that, yeah, yes. I love it. So go to the bottom of the show notes and click on the YouTube channel and make sure you follow it. I'll actually say one more thing if that's okay. 
Yeah, of course. You brought up looking up events in different states, which I love. And please do that, dear listener. Go check out the events in your state. The problem is a lot of these states don't have events in them anymore or at all. Like Uh... some states I've never listed because I've never found out about them. I Mm -hmm. recently became aware of the herbal community that's budding in Indiana, which has got me so excited to know that there's herbalists in Indiana as well. So if you know of any herbalism events or teachers that is not listed on the website, you could go to herbrally.com slash submit dash and dash event. And maybe you could just include that link instead because that's a mouthful right there. But our plan is to eventually transition over all of the schools, as you were mentioning earlier, Yahola, which is now Wild Herb Academy. But we want to start listing instead of just events per state, we also want to list them schools, farms, and events. So you can just go to the state page and see all of the herbalism things happening in your state, not just events. So I'll say that, but not just the states, but you could also check events chronologically that's happening throughout the world and the US. So it doesn't have to be per state. It could be per date, if you will. So I'll just say a call to action. Please let me know any events uh, that you've got going on or that you know about. And uh, yeah, we love to get those listed. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to head over there and I'm going to list some events. (laughs) I'm going to I just check out everything you have going on and check out what everybody has going on across the country. And thank you so much for bringing us together because you're doing such a good job and for helping us. You're helping all us entrepreneurs, teachers, just getting started. And I know you, you helped me. And so I appreciate it. And it's good to have you on the podcast. And thank you for sharing your knowledge. And I'm so glad. Thanks, April. I love being on your show. Yay. Yeah. Until the next time. Awesome. Bye. Bye. How awesome is Mason? I know you love that podcast. Definitely take the time to go to the bottom of the show notes. Go to Herb Rally. Check out everything they have to offer. Go to Instagram. Go to Herb Rally. Hit follow. Mason is such a good resource and his wife, Amanda. And they're just keeping the herbal community together. They're keeping us together. Be well. Until the next Wild Herb Podcast.